This is one of those marking moments. For Jewish kids, it's the bar mitzvah or the bath mitzvah. If you're Catholic, it's uh, First Holy Communion and then the extra name that you get at your confirmation. Here, we call it commitment class. It's a, a stake in the ground saying that from this day on, this is your faith, our faith, not your parents' faith. One of the things that makes this special is hearing from these no longer babies about their growing faith. But something's different. For the first time in 24 years that I've been here, for the first time, the uh, student ministry leader is not giving the sermon. I am. And it's not because Carrie's not a great preacher. She and I are going to talk together this next month. Uh, it's, uh, it's because I thought, why should I miss all the fun? I uh, had a baby who was baptized here and went through commitment class here. And now three weeks from today, is getting married here. It seemed a good time. Because the kids need to hear us, who seem to at least think that we know it all, they need to hear that we are still learning and growing. That we've made all kinds of mistakes with them, and we apologize, but we want to keep growing together. And I wanted to tell them some of the things that I'm still learning. One of them came... Several years ago, when uh, a friend of mine died unexpectedly, and uh, since he was a strong Christian guy, uh, his friends and family went through his Bible to see if there were any verses in the Bible that uh, were especially meaningful to him, and they came to one that was starred and had the date that the guy died in the margin. One of the last things that he saw. His, his name was Bill Woodmoyer, and they asked me if I would read this passage from the Bible at, at his uh, funeral, and I, I realized that I, well, I faked it. I pretended like I knew what the Bible verse was, but I didn't. I'd, I'd never read it before. It's right near the end of the Bible. It's by uh, one of the oldest characters that knew Jesus. Uh, the Apostle John is an old, old man by now. And Bill had underlined this in his Bible. From the elder To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, just as you're progressing spiritually. It gave me great joy when some of the believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. And this is the line that he had underlined. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I had never caught that before. It it struck me, not just in the head, but in here. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Not that they believe, not that they obey, but that they are walking. They are following Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers to follow. You don't have to do everything right to follow. You just need to get up and walk. So I'd like to just give you a couple of ideas about what it's like to walk in the truth. And frankly, I want to give you parents and others who love these kids a couple prayers for them. It comes best, frankly, from somebody who's been around the block a little bit longer. Like it or not, that's me. I'm not middle-aged. People don't live to be 120 years old. So for me, 
for me, looking at them is a reminder. That's what it's like for the Apostle Paul. Paul had a protege, a junior hiring commitment class that he was going to send out into the world. And, and he wrote this to him. He said, Timothy, what you've learned from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust now to others. What you've learned from me, with a lot of people around, entrust now to others. He's, he's talking about the power of community. We are here together and not alone because we have received something from others, we're sharing it with others, and we want that to continue into the future. Last Sunday night at the table, many of these guys, uh, when they go to church, they go to the table on Sunday evenings. Uh, We celebrated the seniors who are graduating from high school. And a couple of them got up here, Andrew and Sophie, and they talked about things that they had learned in their time here. They are small group leaders in the commitment class, and they said that uh, they'd learned about leadership. They said, I go to the kids' games. They called you the kids because they're so old. (laughs) I go to the kids' games and their concerts because that's what my leader did. And and you know what? I take the kids in my group out to breakfast because that's what my leader did. And this year, I had a verse of the Bible that I wanted to have my kids memorize with me because that's what my leader did. And you know, before the retreat, I prayed for each of the kids in my small group by name because that's what my leader did. They were learning from the ones who had given them the faith in the presence of many witnesses. It's powerful. It's powerful. When you see that you cannot do it alone, that you see that you do it with other people, it's powerful. And it happens for adults, too, when they're fortunate. I had a friend named Mike, and Mike was a smart aleck. I would describe him differently if we were not in church. He was a smart aleck. And he was in a small group with me for a bunch of years, and he was always the one who wanted to ask the smart aleck questions. Didn't really believe it was there. And, uh, and then he got very sick. He got very sick, and so now he started to come to the Bible study to read the Bible, to pray with his friends, to be, to be helped by them, and they loved him, and they encouraged him. He got very sick, but they stuck with him, and they said, why don't you become a deacon in the church? You can help other people. It'll take your mind off what's going bad with you. And so he did. He became a deacon after he got this brain tumor. His friends stayed close to him, and... Uh, One of the best memories I'll ever have in my life is the last time the deacons and the elders in our church serve communion. People come forward and they hold the bread and the cup and they pass by. And uh, Mike was a deacon. He wanted to do it one more time, but by now he couldn't really talk because of the brain tumor. And he didn't walk so much as he lurched like this. And he wanted so much to serve communion again, but his wife said, oh, honey, I don't think so. And the night before... Our friend Bill called him up and said, we can do this. We can do this. And, and right over here, Bill, who's like 6'4", walks in with Mike like this. They turn, and I hand them the bread and the juice, and Bill puts his arm around Mike like this, so he's got a hand on the bread and the juice, and people came forward. And they would come up, and Bill would go, the body of Christ for you. And Mike would go, huh? And they would dip, and they would go back. And then Bill walked Mike up. 
It was, uh, it was what communion is supposed to be. And it was because they did the hard work of being jerks together in a small group. They made fun of each other and they laughed at each other and they learned together and they were friends together. And by the end, God was right in the middle of it. That's my prayer for you guys. That you, who have learned from people who gave it to you in front of many witnesses, will now do the same thing with others. It really counts who you listen to, though, doesn't it? There's a a picture I wanted to show you. I bet the commitment class kids know what this is. You recognize that? That's, that's the statement of faith. When we go on a retreat at the end, the kids all write down their statement of faith. Some of them spend hours doing it. Sometimes it's filled with I don't knows and questions or I'm learnings. That's great. The reason I saw this, uh, the reason this came to my mind is because I saw it last Sunday after the seniors all worshipped. They went downstairs for cake and to be congratulated about what's next for them in college. And on the table next to the cake were copies of the statements of faith that they had written when they were 8th graders. And they were each given theirs back so they could see how they had grown and what they had learned and what they had done with it. I say often that, um, I'd say often that the most important people in our church are the ones who deal with our children and with our students. And I talk to every student minister before she or he is hired because they are, they're handling the most important thing in our lives, aren't they? They are great here. Corey and Carrie and Lee and the whole team of student ministers are great, but they are not the stars of the show of the commitment class. The ones who are the, who are the real heroes in the commitment class are, are seated right here. They are the seniors in high school who have been the small group leaders and have presented the truth in front of many witnesses and now want to see it passed on. Would the senior student leaders stand up, the, the kids who are the seniors of these commitment class? First prayer for you parents. If I were going to do it over again, I've prayed lots for my kids. Uh, If I were going to do it over again, I would pray more for my kids' friends. Their lives, the friends they choose, because the people we are around rubs off. Pray for the friendships that your kids will develop in high school. The second thing that uh, hit me that uh, Paul said to young Timothy was this. He said, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but set an example for them in your life. We don't call this commitment class because of what people learn about God. That's a confirmation class. You learn all the right beliefs about God. We call this commitment class to ask them what are they committed to doing about it. This is a, a sponge. It really is uh, good for nothing. It's stiff, it's a board, can't do anything by itself. But when you take the dead sponge and you put it into the water, it soaks up life. It grows, becomes flexible. And that's, that's what many of these kids have done this year. They, they've become flexible. But you know one of the truths about a sponge? If you take the full sponge of water out and you put it there and you leave it there for three or four days, what happens? It stinks. It stinks. And anything it touches stinks. And then it gets stiff again, doesn't it? 
but it stinks. Many of you guys have absorbed a lot of living water this year. If it stays inside you, you will stink. You'll know all the right things and you won't do anything about it. Sponges are meant to absorb and to be squeezed out. Set an example. Set an example. Don't just talk about this stuff. Don't just make it junior high religion. Set an example for other people. Maybe encourage your parents to set an example. They're doing that. These kids have learned from the best. They're doing that. There are over 150 applications by 8th graders through high school. 150 applications by these kids to do work for the king. To work for God in this church and in this community in the year to come. They want to set an example. Some of them up here will be in our student lay care team. We have a... One of the things that makes this church different is it's not the pastors who do all the... All the care, it's lay people who have been trained to visit the hospitals and do the small groups and be with the dying and care for people when their marriage is breaking up. Two years ago, we started a student version of that. They call it slay care. Not lay care, but slay care. Student lay care. And this is this, is this year's group who are going to care for kids when their parents' marriage breaks up or when they fail out of school or when they get in trouble or when they get sick. They are going to set an example for others by caring for them. Some of them will go to the other ends of the earth. This was a group of kids who went to uh, Africa a couple of years ago. High school kids, three years older than you guys, who went to Africa. And one of the days that they were there in Zambia saw poor kids who had nothing when you guys have everything, and they helped feed them. They fed them a meal that they would not have had otherwise. And that was a profound thing for them. They were an example, right? No, they were just kids on a trip. The reason that they were an example is because when they came home, they decided not to forget what they had seen, and they raised over $30,000, high school kids, over $30,000, sent it back to Zambia, not so that there would be more meals, but so that there would be a program that would last, and these kids would be fed. We say over and over, they are not the church of the future. They are the church right now, right here. Let me give my, uh, my second prayer for uh, the, the parents. I, I have a friend who has taught me a lot about parenting. She said, trust me, John, nothing good happens after midnight. Make sure they're home. She, uh, she said, I prayed for my kids. She said, I prayed that my kids would get caught every time. She knew what they were like. She said, I pray my kids will get caught every time. They get caught in the small stuff, it will save them. And and for that, I guess I've learned to pray different for my kids. I really hope that your parents and your friends will not pray that you will be safe in high school. I don't want you to be safe in high school. I want you to get in trouble in high school. But I don't want you to get in the trouble of the everybody else is doing it, I'm going to do it kind of trouble. I want you to get in the kind of trouble that people who hear a different drum will get into. The ones who will forgive and reach out, the ones who will serve and make a difference. I want you to get in the kind of trouble for the king that only the king of heaven can get you out of. Don't wait till you're an adult. Adults are boring. 
Start now. I'm praying that you will get in good trouble. Trouble that only the king can get you out of. Well, um, I, uh, I think that this day is profound because Maggie is going to get married, but also because this is, this is a great reminder to us about what's the most important thing in life. You're here. We've made a big deal out of this because this is the most important thing in life. I tell a story to the parents, but you're not often in here, so let me tell you this story. There's a guy named Jim Dobson. He's a parent. He's got kids. His oldest son is a basketball freak. And this guy, Jim Dobson, has a friend who's a professional basketball player. Pete Maravich is his name. And Pete would come over to the house all the time. He'd play, he'd play basketball with Dobson's kids, especially with his boy. And the, the kid thought that Maravich walked on water. He loved his dad, but Maravich was the best. Well, anyway, one day, Pete Maravich was at the gym with Jim Dobson, the dad. And as he walks out on the court, he waves at Dobson, shoots up a basket, and falls over dead. In his 40s. He dies right there in the gym. Dobson runs over because he's a doctor. And he tries to revive him, but he dies. And so Dobson is just crying like a baby. Not only because he's lost his friend, but because he knows he has to tell the kids. Takes the rest of the day off of school. I mean, off of work. And when the kid, when his son comes home from school, he says, Come on, Todd, i got to tell you something. Takes Todd into the kitchen. And he says, uh, I don't know, There's no easy way to say this. Pete, Pete got sick and died today. And Todd just bursts into tears, just like you would if somebody that you love died. Bursts into tears, and Dobson reaches across the table, and he says, I, I'm with you. And they're crying together, and he reaches over to him, and he says, Now, son, you got to listen to this. Someday, and I hope it's a long time from now, someday somebody's going to come to you, and they're going to say, Your dad has died. That's okay. Dads are older. They're going to die. Someday you're going to hear that, and, and I hope you'll cry. But I want you to remember this. This is the most important thing in my life that you remember this. He said, the most important thing in my life is that you know that as soon as I died, I walked straight through the gates of heaven. I want you to know that. And I want you to know that I'm standing just inside the gates of heaven, looking out, waiting for you to walk in. That's the most important thing in my life. That's the most important thing in a grandparent or a friend or a parent's life that you walk through the gates of heaven. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are still here with us, that you love us, that you have, in the blink of an eye, changed these babies into young adults, and that you have asked them to commit themselves to you and walk in faith. I pray that their journey will inspire us, frighten the daylights out of them, And show them that you are the God that can be trusted. Amen.